Hello everybody and welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football. We're back to preview what's going to be the biggest game of the weekend. And keeping with the big theme, we've got two big surprises. We've got, an, a, we've got a big apology from me and a big surprise from me. What are you more excited about, Will? The big apology or the big surprise? Um, I'm Well, I've seen your big surprise and I've heard your big apology afterwards. So I'm hoping it's a bit different to the ones that you've done before. But it should be an exciting show. Make sure you stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely filled from Will already in the gutter. But uh, it's Friday. I'll, I'll forgive the excitement because it is game of the season. Arsenal play Liverpool. We've also got other games to preview. We'll be talking about all the latest news as well, as well as my big apology. Um, and also we've got Goldbridge where it's been a very, very good week for me. You can't deny that, Will. Yeah, no, it's been an absolute shit show if you're me. Um, you've been texting me. You've been goading me out on your live streams as well. You know what's at stake. The audience still don't know what's at stake, but it's big. It's coming. It's a bit like a surprise, but slightly different. Yeah, that's a bigger surprise for another day at the forfeit around Goldbridge. But let's start off with, uh, well, I'm going to start, you know, we, I do want to talk about Liverpool against Arsenal because it, it's at Arsenal. Arsenal should be said first and we've got some cracking either-ors. Uh, I'm looking at one of these, Nkunku or Darwin Nunez. Where do we get these either-ors from? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I want to talk about Arsenal against Liverpool. It's a huge, huge game. But I'm not shy when I, you know, I don't know whether you ever seen Dirty Dancing, the dad in that. He, always, he says he says to Johnny, formerly Patrick Swayze, rest in peace, he says, when I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. And it always gets me as a dad that, that another dad can be so, you know, forgiving and, and, and give up his stubbornness. And well, I tell you what, when I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. And I, and I owe an apology to Newcastle because I've been saying for a while that Eddie Howe is in danger. I've been saying for a while that January could be a horrible month for them. And I was saying they've got Fulham in the cup away they've got Newcastle uh, they've got Aston Villa away I think they're going to lose both those they'll be mid-table and out of all the cups and you've got to look at the pressure under Eddie Howe well what have they gone and done Will he's gone and won both and you know we can predict bad times but when people counter that with good times it's celebration time it's been a brilliant week for Newcastle and I think it will get better now I don't think Eddie Howe's going to be I've looked at their fixtures I can see them getting more players back uh, he's got a great team morale there. I think they're going to start climbing the league now and uh, they're still in the cup as well. Eddie Howe with the demonstration of how to bring it all back. I was always saying we've done this all season, even when they've had small blips, they've we've written them off. And what's he done? He's managed to turn that ship around and he's kept on turning it around. And this was a big, big QE2 turnaround, this one. And he's done it well. Going to Villa, obviously not lost in the Premier League this season at home. And he stopped that record, which was fantastic. And also they played really well. Like Villa had a, a really bad off day, but that was because Newcastle exploited them. The high line, the way that they worked, Fabian Schar getting two goals in and around the box. Aston Villa have been superb at corners. Uh, commentator on match of the day was like, they've not conceded from corners. It's Schar! Goal from the corner. That was great to see. And I think what's also good is the European places because if Newcastle can get out of this slump, which they appear to have done, march up the league, we've got ourselves a cracking end of the season. Yeah, they're seventh in the league now with 32 points. Uh, to be fair, they had lost their last four out of the five Premier League games they've played. But up for them next at the weekend, Luton, you'd expect them to win that. Forest away, Bournemouth at home. I think 
They've got a great chance of taking nine points from their next three and I can see them climbing that league. I don't know whether they're going to get top four, but they're, they're certainly, I think that with no European football, that energy of Newcastle looks like it's back. And somebody would say, well, this is a life lesson to you, Goldbridge. You've got it wrong. I'm happy to take that lesson. You know, as, as my great friend Noel Gallagher said, don't look back in anger, Mark. <laughs> and I didn't. And I don't. You know, sometimes you get it wrong. And Newcastle have proven us wrong. And I'm pleased for Eddie Howe. I still stand by the project. I think will ultimately be too big for him for where they want to go. But for now, I think he's is uh, looking more likely to be in post next season now, Will, than ever. Well, yeah. And also, this is your first apology of the podcast. But much like London buses, one doth came, doth the other come as well. So stay tuned for uh, uh, what no, I'm no, going to no. try and pry out of Martin later on the prom. I'm contractually obliged to only do one apology a month and it's February the 1st. So that means there's 28, well, it's a leap year. That's 28 days without any more apologies. So uh, you're not going to get another apology out of me. You can swivel on it, but Newcastle can have one. And look, as Will said, to be fair, from the first 10 minutes of that game, I was like, Newcastle are going to win this. Tactically, they were just better than Villa, which was surprising considering their great home run. And before we talk about big game of the season, Will, in relation to Aston Villa... Some are saying that's the beginning of the end for them. I mean, they're, they're, they're eight points ahead of West Ham in sixth and they're 11 points ahead of Newcastle, even though Newcastle beat them. 11 points in this league and their next few games for Aston Villa, we'll, we'll just get up, uh, let me just get these up here, but 11 points in this league, Sheffield United away next, Chelsea at home, Man United at home and then Fulham away. I mean, yeah, they could start to drop points, but as we know, this league's so competitive in previous years, making up an 11-point gap is still a lot. But I think, comparable to other years, I think it's more like a 16-point gap, if that makes sense. I think it's harder to make up a 10-point gap this season because it's so competitive. And also, this is a bit like where we talk about Arsenal. Like Aston Villa are exceeding their expectations. If they can get another conference league place, if they can creep into the Euro- those Europa League place, that is progress in terms of the bigger picture. Uno Emery su- sort of supercharged this. And when you do get that home run, fans be- can become a bit disgruntled when, when they're off the ball because you have such high expectations of what you've seen so far. They've been a bit iffy over the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, I'm surrounded by Aston Villa fans and they were getting that sense. There's a few different moments around like Matty Cash and different players surprised like most teams that they haven't done more in January but uh, yeah Unai Emery very very shrewd operator on and off the pitch so they're definitely going to turn this around and you know get back to that four. I think they could probably go on a another home run like they've done before uh, I have got a big surprise for everybody. Um, the big surprise for me is that we're recording this on the Thursday afternoon. I've got no idea whether Man United have won or lost, which, you know, it's probably a. If they've won, get in, get in, get in. If they haven't won, well, I haven't felt that crushing blow yet. But uh, we are going to look ahead to the weekend uh, and what's to come. And what's to come is an absolute banger. We say this a lot. But you can get big game, biggest game of the season. That's the whole point. Every week you could have biggest game of the season if it if it was. But without a shadow of a doubt, we built up the Christmas game at Anfield on the 23rd of December where it was Liverpool-Arsenal and we were project- projecting and talking about that for weeks in advance, Will. Arsenal-Liverpool is bigger than that. So we can at least spend a few minutes now, a couple of days before it, saying... This is the biggest game of the season. Arsenal are in third with 46 points. Liverpool are top with 51 points. Um, Man City sandwiched in between like a um, a waiting porn star looking at two uh, 
conquests and thinking I might just screw them both. Uh, anyway, I, I don't know where you see that's sometimes you get stuff like that. But it's not about Man City. It, they can wait. Um, go and look at a magazine because this is about Liverpool and Arsenal. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that it doesn't. When I say this, I say it sort of sparingly, but it's not a free hit for Arsenal. Obviously, they're at home; they're still sort of in the hunt. But compared to the Christmas fixture, it does feel like the 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 weight of pressure is going more onto Liverpool, and I do expect them to win. Like that Chelsea performance last night, as of recording, was absolutely phenomenal from start to finish. Forget the decisions that Chelsea maybe could have had; Liverpool blew them away. And if they're in that vein of form against Arsenal, I can only see one one this game going one way. And I just. There's always been something. I think I, I think Arsenal fans think I hate them. I don't. I live down the road from Arsenal. I can hear the hear the stadium when there's a live game going on. I listen in. I think I'd love to be there, um, but I'm not. I'm sat at home crying. Um, but if they can keep it going, I I, I, I almost mm, I don't want to draw. I definitely don't want to draw. I'd be surprised if Arsenal won, but I'd almost like Arsenal to win to keep it a top three. Because if Liverpool win, we haven't got it. Just because you live down the road from them doesn't mean it's you like them. I, I remember that there's this guy on the watch-alongs who lives right next to the Spurs ground and every time he'll come on and go, Mark, Spurs are at home again. I'm going out with my knife to punch the tyres. They're all parking all over our road. So, you know, pro, close proximity to a ground, you could be a hater as much as you're a lover. Yeah, um, but, but you're a lover. I am a lover, Mark, and you know, yeah, you know that from your big surprises. But now I just, I think the pressure is on Liverpool from, from the, from the big points gap, or well, the points gap, that, and if it is five to eight, I mean, yeah, then we're then we're talking Arsenal. But then it goes back to what we said: Arsenal can be happy with third and fourth this season, back in the Champions League, and everyone calm down. Arteta signed the contract. Big smiles all round. Arteta, they won't be bloody happy if Arsenal lose on Sunday. It'll be Arteta. Let him go to Barcelona. You know it's coming. And I tell you what, that to me is why it's a big game. I think if Arsenal lose this. That would make it a eight-point gap to Liverpool. It's over, and 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 that's the enormity of this game, really, because we talk about the title race. Oh, it's amazing. Maybe West Ham could get into it. Shut up, Villa, <laughs> Spurs. No, it's really about Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool. We've been talking about what a great Premier League t- title race it is, and actually, by the first week of February, it could be a two-horse race. If if Arsenal lose this. They ain't catching Liverpool and it's all about Man City and Liverpool. So uh, I think that it's a massive game in that sense where I sort of agree with you. If Arsenal were to lose top, you know, third place, fourth place is a good season for them. I still think they're a striker away from, as I've said many times, you put an Erling Haaland, a Lewandowski, a Benzema, even an Ivan Toni, even a Rasmus Hoyland up front who can score goals, even a Darwin Nunez. Just uh, somebody who's a striker, I think that... That would change Arsenal. I don't even think it needs to be an Erling Haaland, even a Calvert-Lewin. You know, somebody who can just be a striker. They haven't got that. They should be content with top four. But you know what Arsenal fans, some Arsenal fans are like. But if they lose this game, I can't see a way back into the title race. On the other hand, if Liverpool lose it, the big winner will be Man City. Yeah, and that's the sad thing as well. Being a bit reflective because of Jurgen Klopp's announcement last week, I sort of think it makes them a bit more pushing them towards title favourites. But in terms of Arteta, with the sort of rumours of him maybe looking to leave in the future to Barcelona, if Arsenal could keep him for that sort of same time period that Liverpool have had Klopp, do you think Arteta will get anywhere near the success that Klopp has had? Um, Look, there's a real opportunity in the summer. I mean, Man City are always going to be there, but I think that Arsenal with Arteta, they're 
they're probably ahead of where Arsenal fans... No, they're behind where Arsenal fans think they are, some Arsenal fans, but I think they're ahead of where they should be because I actually think they're sort of poised to, over the next two years, become a really dominant team. Not saying they're going to win it because Man City will always be there, but maybe the Liverpool of three years ago, the team that really takes on the throne of being the real contenders. And I don't think they're quite there yet, but I also think some sections of the Arsenal fan base don't appreciate that. And you don't, you only appreciate that when you're somebody from the outside looking in. Uh, and I think with Liverpool losing that, um, losing Klopp, there has to be an acknowledgement of a vulnerability. Having said that, I agree with you. I've been watching Liverpool a lot recently. The players they've had out, like Mo Salah, Trent, Robertson, Endo, Van Dijk, the football they're playing the last few weeks. I mean, I actually thought Fulham might give them a bit of a test in the Carabao Cup at Craven Cottage. I thought Chelsea yesterday might, and they absolutely dominated them. So it's going to be an absolutely cracking game. I think we're probably heading, and I don't know what your thoughts are, Will. I think we might be heading, if Liverpool win this, I'd say having beaten Chelsea and Arsenal, I'd, I'd be pushing away from Man City of favourites. And we might end up with what we did a couple of years in a row a few seasons ago where you're literally looking at Liverpool and Man City winning nearly every game till May. I think we can all be fantasists and like I've said it on here where we want a seven horse title race like you mentioned at the start but we, the, the best thing for if you want Manchester City to be dethroned is for Liverpool to crack on and beat Arsenal and for it to become a clear two horse race because they'll take points off anyone. Yes, they can lose points to everyone but that's if you want the Manchester City Express to stop or get on board with the Liverpool train because they're going to get into full boom mode after they beat Arsenal the way they played against Chelsea it just felt relentless so yeah I think Liverpool for me to win and I think they'll win quite comfortably but this is horrible for me and Man United fans this is like the the, the girl of your dreams saying uh, you're not good enough I don't want to be with you I am definitely going to go and marry and sleep with and make kids with your two biggest enemies and you've got to pick one. And I'm like, I can't pick Liverpool and Man or Man City. It's, it's impossible to pick. If Liverpool win the league, it's 20 times. If Man City win the league, four in a row, which no one's ever done before, I, I can't. But I, but, I, but I genuinely think that if Liverpool win at the weekend, that's what we're left with. Who would I choose between Liverpool and Man City? I won't even put myself in that position in February. I'm contractually obliged not to do that. Yeah, well, I think you should be worrying about more of the outcome between Wolves and Chelsea at the weekend and that sort of battle for 10th spot than thinking about Liverpool-Manchester hey, City. Hey, hey, this is not a Man United podcast. It's a general football podcast of which I dip my feet in and I'm a very big authority in my area. You know, I'll get, I walk down the street and I'll get people going, Goldbridge, Goldbridge. What do you think about uh, what do you think about Birmingham City? I'll say not a lot. I don't watch Championship. I have a cut-off point. Um, it's a little bit like a nightclub top who six. says no more coming in. Goldbridge's nightclub is anything below top eight. Where are where United? Top nine. Not interested. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I'm here, just to sort of bang the drum for Luton Town, Rob Edwards, and anything else. If you've got any lower half concerns, please get in touch with uh, Will at lowerhalfconcerns.com and I'll get them. And yeah, yeah, or your doctor. Yeah, if, you've got, if you've got any lower half concerns, get yourself to the doctor and get yourself checked out. Um, where are you going to go, Liverpool or Arsenal in this game? Liverpool, 3-1. I think they'll go 2-0 up. I think Arsenal will score one, make it a bit competitive and then Liverpool will do one of them classic counter-attacks and Darwin Nunes will get the third and all his teammates will come and congratulate him and give him a big nuggie. 
Uh, I've gone with Liverpool, but I think we're both underestimating the fact that it's very, very difficult to go to the Emirates and win. And also Arsenal are a very good team. So it's surprising we've both gone for Liverpool because I don't think it's a foregone conclusion by any shape or form. I just think the reason I would do it is that Arsenal don't look like they're as good in front of goal. Liverpool have got a very good defence and they're better form at the moment. But to say they're going to win at the Emirates without Salah is 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 amazing. And also, another amazing fact, they haven't really lost the game. I know it says one, but that was the Spurs debacle, wasn't it? I just hope we don't yeah. get VAR. I think VAR's gone out of the headlines a little bit, but it is still there, Will. You know, even the Liverpool-Chelsea game, you sort yeah. of go, ooh. There's still been a few VAR decisions where you go, ooh, but it's not really had a big impact. It's definitely, it's like a great white shark swimming around the beach. It's not eating anyone yet for a few weeks, but it's still there. You can see the fin, and uh, I just hope it's not a bloodbath on Saturday, on Sunday. Also, just to throw some positivity towards Arsenal fans, if if Arsenal can beat Liverpool at the weekend, which is a real possibility, then their next couple of fixtures, which they'll have, obviously, are skipping their step for. They've got West Ham away, Burnley away, Newcastle at home, which is a bit more different now, mm. and then Sheffield United away. So they could go. They, I mean, they could go on that run of form. But I'd like a three-way. Yeah, what about the game at the weekend? <laughs> I would no, I would. I, I, you know, when you put it like that, looking at the league table, of course it gives the advantage back to Man City because they'll be two. They'll be two points behind Liverpool with the game in hand. If if Liverpool lose, I think Man City are playing some wannabes at the weekend. Probably the Spice Girls. I don't know who they play. Oh, they're playing Brentford away. I mean, you never know. But the fact is, Man City have still got to go to Anfield. So I think it would be nice to keep it going with three clubs. But as I said. Arsenal have got a win for that to happen. A draw doesn't really help anyone. I hope it's not a draw. No, I, yeah, I, there's going to be a result in this game uh, and it's going to be three points to somebody and uh, it's going to be Liverpool. There's your analysis. Um, Mark, if it's all right for you, I'd like to hear from our half-time sponsors. Okay, what have we got next? Um, well, j- just to finish, sorry, just on this Arsenal-Liverpool thing, it's not to talk about the game specifically, but because with Klopp going, Arteta and all the things, wanted to throw it forward as well. You sort of alluded to it in that le- last little segment, but if um, does do Arsenal become clear second favourites when Klopp leaves Liverpool? And is that sort of their mantle to pick up going forward if they've got this sort of Champions League football back-to-back and a real strong platform to build on? I think slightly, yes. I mean, we're talking in February. We don't know what the summer transfer window is going to go like. But if I was looking at next season, the gap between Arsenal and Liverpool is five points. Jurgen Klopp's got to be worth 15, 20 points. So you're going to say, yeah, Arsenal have the stability if Arteta's still there. And they'll be looking to become the contender with Man City next season. Liverpool, on the other hand, though, we were always very surprised about Klopp going. We understand it, but it must be energy reasons because it can't be that he feels the team's coming towards the end of its cycle because it actually looks like it's a team that could be a very good team that's quite young for a long time. But obviously, we don't know who's going to replace Klopp. So there is that uncertainty. If Arsenal can maintain the stability of the last few years, you'd expect them to improve and therefore... Um, yeah, I think they, they they can be that. And that's why patience in certain sections of the Arsenal fan base is really important when you're looking at it from an outside in. What I would say in addition to that is how much will Arsenal regret not bringing a striker in in January? Well, maybe they can't will because they don't have any money, but they could have done in the summer. And I look at that Arsenal side and I go, 70 million on Havertz. Smith Rowe offers just as much. That's 70 million could have gone on a striker and I do look at that Arsenal side and say if they've made any mistakes and they've made a lot of good decisions but if they did have a striker 
I think it's the difference between Arsenal, Liverpool and Man City. And also, look at Jota for Liverpool. He's almost become this season's Gundogan, who's just come from nowhere. Good player, but just suddenly started scoring big, big goals. And I just don't think Arsenal have that. Um, and I think that's probably the thing I look at Arsenal and go, they got wrong this year. Yeah. Well, interesting. I think, yeah, it's going to be one to keep an eye on. One we've kept an eye on this week. I just want to do some either-ors because we are currently just finishing off a midweek game week, which has been absolutely fantastic. I love Premier League football in the week, all the games, all the time. But the big talking point, I want to know, are you Team Mope or Team James Madison? Um, I like Madison. I'm really pleased that he's... I, I thought he was a bit of a a myth at Leicester. I didn't really think he ever had the capability of going to a bigger club and doing well. And obviously he's had a big injury this season, but I think he proved before that and that he really does suit um, a bigger club with all due respect to Leicester. I know Leicester fans will be saying, hey, who's won a Premier League? Uh, I know, but uh, it was a bit, well, it was well done. Thank you. But the, the point is, I think Madison is a really good player, but from the little I saw of it, I mean, I think it's just two players probably goading each other a little bit. I've seen they've been on Instagram. You know, that's, you know, I don't mind a bit of the WWE wrestling, you know, rivalry. I think we, we like a bit of that. And football, I'm going to I'm gonna side on the opinion of that I like it because I think we moan about everything. Like, oh, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And football has become very robotic and VAR has made it very robotic. So I actually quite liked it, even though I'd agree that some people would say it's very petty arguing about a uh, celebration. But I've got to say, I, I welcome it. I liked it. I like a little bit. And the great thing is, normally you see people shoving and grabbing hold of each other violently. There's nothing wrong with having a bit of an argument about a celebration. So... I like, I do enjoy rivalry. I was saying this this week. I got, um, I got took a, uh, took, took taken out of context by some massive Twitter account about away days because I said, I think it was on the podcast last week, um, rivalry shouldn't be violent. It's, it's really important, but it shouldn't be violent. And if I walk into a pub and I see a Liverpool fan, I'm more than happy to have a chat with them about, you know, Darwin Nunez rather than, you know, start glaring at them or worse. Um, and some people agreed with me and some people were like, no, no, they, you don't understand what rivalry is. And I think I do understand what rivalry is. And I think what Madison and Morpé are doing there, I like that. I wouldn't, I don't like it when people start grabbing each other around the neck and stuff. It's the modern day rivalry, isn't it? You don't sort it out with your fists. You go over to social media, find some stats up or find some old posts and you just say, look at this. And that's one nil to me. Yeah, we don't need violence in football, and uh, but we do need banter and we do need rivalry. And I, I, I haven't got a problem with Madison and Morpé. Madison's the one who throws the darts. Everybody knows that. Morpé's shit housing him a bit because he scored a goal, and as he said in his Instagram post, he went a bit too soon, didn't he? He's like the marathon runner who starts the sprint at the end and then runs out. Love that. Um, I'm sort of shooing this one in because I, I really want to just highlight him because sometimes, you know, we look at the negative, we like to say football, but I've put down Connor Bradley or Trent Alexander-Arnold, but really it's just to highlight how well he's done over the last mm. four or five games. And last last night was absolutely amazing, wasn't it? I think it all comes down to the development of youth, the pathway to the first team, which we were talking about with Klopp last week. Uh, I watched him, I think, in the Fulham game. I felt he was at fault for a goal at Anfield. I think it was Fulham or Bournemouth. It was one of those two. I, th I felt he was at fault a little bit. Um, but we have it at United a lot. You can't burn these youngsters. You've got to back them. You buy a £50 million player in the summer who's 26 and they don't deliver, you expect a little bit more. You give debuts and minutes to you know, teenagers in your first team and Liverpool fans are the same as United fans. You, you've got to get behind them and nurture them. And I thought 
it culminated in that Chelsea game yesterday. The cross for the Sabozlai header was 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 immaculate. The finish was very, very difficult and unsavable. Um, overall game, absolutely fantastic. It's about consistency for him now. Uh, as I said last night, he looks like a real find. They've got Trent, you know, uh, jealous. Yeah, I mean, we've got some good players coming through at United. But to be honest with you, I know he's Northern Irish, so it doesn't benefit England. But it's good to see Premier League clubs bringing through and giving youth a chance because, you know, checkbook managers, we've just had a crap transfer deadline day. But, uh, you know, Bob at Man City as well, to be fair. It's, it's good to see. Uh, even look, We love it at United, but I, I don't mind seeing other clubs doing it because I think it's it's great when, you know, you, you turn on match of the day and Brentford have got an 18-year-old playing or something like that. We've seen it with Evan Ferguson at, uh, at Brighton as well. Yeah, it's like it when you discover a band for the first time, isn't it? When you're seeing a youngster, you're like, oh, I want to get behind them and see them grow. Um, let's go straight to the weekend because this is the weekend podcast. We're building up for a big preview, some big games to talk about. We spoke quite a lot about Manchester City already. They've got Brentford away on Monday night. So maybe, uh, well, maybe let's start there in terms of the fact of I'm worried again. De Bruyne fully back. Haaland is back and it don't look good. Yeah, well, yeah, we've all predicted this is going to happen. We knew that maybe, I mean, they did drop a few points before Christmas, so that's given everybody a chance. Man City are probably five points off, worse off than you'd expect. Uh, obviously, a lot of that's been down to Kevin De Bruyne being out, the Rodri suspensions, but everybody's back now. I hope they can drop a few more points. I, I think it'd be really boring if you're not a Man City fan to watch them just go and win every week, but it is ominous. I'd love Brentford to get something, but yeah, look, I hope Man City can drop points, but I don't expect them to do that there. I don't know about you, Will. No, I think it's going to be with all those sort of assets and weapons all firing, it's just going to be, you know, Brentford haven't been fantastic either. So I think that's an, that could be pretty silly, that one. Let's move to Newcastle versus Luton because you've already done your apology to Newcastle, but I actually think you owe an apology to Luton Town because there Get was out. a stage at the start of the season. No, you listen here, Goldbridge. There was a stage at the start of the season where you were, you know, every weekend you're tweeting about championship and now the lack of depth coming up. But Luton Town not only beat Brighton the other day, they turned them over. They're out of the relegation zone. Everton are in there, obviously, on their points deduction. But Luton are looking good. Rob Edwards has said they've been trending. He's done it his way. And I think they will stay up this season. I believe, if someone wants to dig out the clip, I said this at the start of the season as well. So what I'm doing is just trying to get out of that inevitable sort of cut together that the Bournemouth did last year where they go around all the football podcasts from the football predictions and go, uh, Luton, Luton, Luton. I'm back in Luton and you should say sorry. Uh, last time I checked, it was February the 1st, not May or June the 1st. Uh, and also, you, you, you put it best yourself. If Everton didn't have a 10-point deduction, he'd be in the bottom three. Luton. Uh uh, there is a part of me that wants them to stay up. There's a part of me that thinks they they should go down. Um, but, you know, I think the championship, whoever comes up next season, maybe Leicester and Southampton might have some staying power. But yeah, look, Luton, I said this as well. I listened to their chairman on a podcast at the start of the season and he said, we're going to, we've got a plan in place and we're going to start picking up points in the second half of the season. And that's exactly what's happening. They may well stay up, Will. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen to Nottingham Forest and Everton. Um, if Nottingham Forest get a 10 points deduction, they're not going to come back from that. Not now. 
Uh, Everton, I still think, will stay up even with a 10-point deduction. But if it becomes 20, they ain't staying up either. The, the, the ridiculous thing is, have you ever thought about this? If Forrest and Everton get another 10-point deduction, we could end up in a situation where Burnley or Sheffield United stay up. I mean, at least Luton are, are fighting to stay up. If Burnley or Sheffield United stay up because of points deductions, it'll be a bloody laugh. I don't know. Ben Britton Diaz absolutely firing for Sheffield United. I'm sure you've kept a keen eye on that as well. So that'll be lovely to see. Yeah, no, they're, they're going to go down. Did you hear that nonsense from Pep about Vincent Company being a future uh, Man City manager as well? I mean, talk out your arse, Pep. I saw, uh, yeah, he sort of alluded to it in the, in the post-match interview and I was a bit like, it just feels quite, is it Forced. nepotism the right word? I don't know. Favoritism. Yeah, it just feels a bit like... Protection. Yeah. Like it's like a condom, isn't it? Company's doing a great job. Yeah, yeah sort of. It's like um, Pep's like a condom on company's head, just protection. That's, that's a, a thought. Big condom. Yeah. No, it 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 is. It's to be fair, it's the sort of thing Sir Alex used to do. He used to big up like Steve Bruce as a manager, and you know, you're protecting yeah, your your, great your troops. You're protecting your troops, aren't you? At the end of the day, but I can't see Vincent Company as a future Man City manager, unless it's just that he's a really good manager, but the Burnley players can't do what he wants. I mean, maybe if you give him better players, but you know that's not how it works unless you're Pep. You don't just get landed into a job with better players in a checkbook, do you? Most managers have to work for it. Um, yeah, obviously, I think we can avoid Man United game because, you know, this is that's football and you don't know what the wall... Also, I just wanted to touch on Chelsea Wolves because Wolves could be above Chelsea by the time this goes out and they play each other at the weekend. But I just think it highlights, not in terms of what you've been talking about with Eric Ten Hag and Pochettino and the pressure, but from last night, the performance, you know, having Sterling in that sort of false nine as your front man for a bit and it, the, the tactics were wrong last night. It's all going wrong there. And the fact that Gary O'Neill, who I had, tip for relegation can be above them in February is just a damning indictment of Potch. Well these are the Christmas fixtures reversed aren't they? They lost at the Molyneux on Boxing Day 1-0 um, Chelsea are a funny team, they're probably going to beat Wolves at the weekend to be honest with you but then they'll go and play the next game and be completely unrecognisable they're a, they're, they're a yo-yo they're, they're so hard to predict, they're so hard to look at and see what they're doing, their team seems to change a lot every week I don't know about Chelsea, I mean I just don't know. I mean, it's, it's a big summer for them. I wouldn't be removing Poch until I'd give him next season as well. But the sad thing for Chelsea is it may well be the similar one to this one where you've got no European football again and you're just still trying to build. At some point, they've, they've got to start taking a step forward. And I predicted that Chelsea would have a big 2024. They still could do in, in the start of next season. But this season, is I mean, they've got Villa away in the FA Cup replay. And if they lose that, they're just stuck a long way off in mid-table. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be, be a big game for them, that one. Um, I'll tell yeah, you what game will. I do. I'm going to go with a Chelsea win on that one. What about you? Yeah, Chelsea win for me. Uh, Everton-Tottenham, Saturday lunchtime. I'm, I'm going to do this as a watch-along on that football YouTube channel, but I think this is a big game. Everton have sort of... We've spoken about Everton. They've they had that really good bounce back, but they've not won in five. They've lost three, drawn two. Drew at full in midweek. Spurs doing fantastically well even with players away and on the AFCON and, and injuries and uh, obviously Son's been away they're sort of knocking on the door of trying to get back into a title race although I don't really think that's ultimately what they're doing I, I know Anne just said it I think it's top four but it's a big game Goodison Park Everton have got to start winning at home Spurs are just very very impressive I can see Spurs going there and really showing what they're all about now which is going to Everton and just brushing them aside Will 
I think but if Spurs can get top four, it'd be, a, it'd be a real sort of positive domino effect for them going forward. Because if you think about it, they've not spent the money from Harry Kane. So if they can do that in a position of having Champions League football, you can just attract better players. Everything in terms of the FFP is going to work in their favour just because of the revenues that they're generating from the stadium and everything else like that. So then there's more money to play with. And with Big Ange, you've got a leader, you've got a catalyst, you've got a philosophy, you've got everything there. So I don't want to say... The next 10 years are going to be four trebles and everything's going really well for Tottenham. But I just think this could be their time if they can get Champions League football this season. Yeah, just looking at their fixtures, Everton away, Brighton at home, Wolves at home, Chelsea away, Palace at home. I mean, they're not, and then Villa away. They're not all winnable, but they're all, on the other hand, the, the positive for Spurs is you don't look at them and go, oh, they're going to struggle. Um, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, yeah, we've we've spoke about that. I think Newcastle will beat Luton and I'm not apologising to Luton either. Yeah. So we'll move on to that. And Eddie Howe's turned the tide very, very well. Their next three games, Luton at home, Forest away, Bournemouth at home. Um, right, let's get ready for the big surprise here. Um, will, uh, tell everybody about Goldbridge. We, we still have got a couple of fixtures outstanding that could change the scores slightly. But uh, I heard you had a good week, uh, midweek, uh, on the bonus goal bridge. It, it was the 26-26 going into this week. The, the, the forfeit's absolutely horrible. And I bet your arse is going like a bunny's nose. Twitch, twitch. <laughs> well, it's nice to see you uh, read all the way down to the running order for once. So you've obviously seen uh, that I've got fuck all this week. So going into this midweek one, it was 26 all. Uh, lovely poise, lovely tie. Uh, but Mark's on a roll. But he who laughs first may not laugh ever again. Uh, that's a threat. Um, but Eze scored two for Mark. Watkins scored one. And Richarlison scored one. I've got nothing as it stands, but I've got Jared Bowen going into tonight. But you do have Hoyland as well and a goalkeeper. It was summed up when we were texting each other and I didn't realise that Edison had conceded in the 93rd minute. So that was lovely. So you are currently midweek, asterisk, four points ahead. It's Goldbridge 30, Brazier 26. You're going to need a defender to score. You're going to need a three-pointer at some point because it's not looking good for you, Brav. Um, and I just remember when I said Ezzy last week, I said I was going to get a bit hipster. And uh, I said Ezzy, and I just remember your face and comment. It was like, Hmph. and uh, I, I just thought, you know, I was just, like, I was just, I was just like, yes, I am the best. But the big surprise is I haven't actually picked any players. So I'm just, you know, because I've got such a big lead, it's like putting the reserves out because I'm just going to do it off the cuff. So uh, you can go with your first pick as I have a look at the, the weekend fixtures here because I haven't actually picked anybody. So uh, let me have a look at what the fixtures are. Okay, okay. Imagine if I win this. That's even more pressure on you. I'm putting the reserves out. It's like playing the kids. Well, it's not really because you've got a bloody template that you thought you've got ten names that you just keep recycling. So that's no, I'm, all you've I'm got not. To. I'm not. Google I'm going to look dot. at these fixtures. Yeah, and I'm going to go. It is. Okay. All right, go. Um, I will go number one. I'm going to go for on uh, Isaac to score against Luton. Isaac to score for Luton. Um, I am doing this off the cuff, so I, I don't know whether he's in. Do we know if that Pedro's out. injured? Is he injured for Brighton, Pedro? I, I, I ain't telling you, mate. Do your own research, pal. Well, I'll tell you. Well, well, it, this is how it works because we said this before. If you pick someone, you get a reserve. So I'm going to go Pedro against Brighton. But if he's injured, it's Ferguson. Okay, I'm going to go for James Madison against Everton. James Madison against Everton. Uh, I'm going to go with... I mean, again, I don't know whether he's injured. Calvert-Lewin. 
you don't have any sub on that. If you're picking Cal, there's an asterisk on Calvert Lewin. You got to be careful. Um, I will go. I'll go for. Oh God! I'm gonna go for Phil Foden against Brentford. You're all over the place. They don't play till Monday. I always go. um, obviously, I always go uh, in order. I'm definitely going to go Newcastle game. There'll be goals in that, and I'm going to go Isaac at home for Newcastle. I've just said that you prat. Have you, Gordon? Yeah, then it was first pick. I'll go Gordon. You're, you're absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go for Ollie Watkins to score against Sheffield United. So obvious. So obvious. Uh, what we got? <laughs> what we got on Sunday? I will go with Rasmus again on Sunday. I don't know what he did on Thursday, so I'm going to go Rasmus again on on uh, on Sunday. I'm going to back the sort of most Liverpool striker since uh, Roy of the Rovers' time. I'm going to go for Darwin Nunes to score against Arsenal. Oh, good, good shout, good shout. Uh, I'm going to go for. Uh, Solanke against uh, Forest for Bournemouth. Very nice. Um, Defender-wise, I'm going to go for... Da, 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 da. Uh, okay, for... Oh, I've lost my head. Sorry. I'm going to just say um, Van de Ven against Everton. So hard to get a defender and you really do need one. You really, really do. Uh, I'm actually going to... I would have gone Gabriel again for the third week in a row and, and, and pulled out, obviously, on last week. But uh, I'm actually going to go with my hunch of Botman for Newcastle. Okay, goalie, I'm going Emmy Martinez. Mm, interesting. And I will go goalkeeper-wise... Uh, oh, that, that was a good shout. Yeah, I'll go... Um, I'll go Depravka for Newcastle. I fancy Newcastle Lovely. to get a hatful. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, Well, you have a good weekend, my friend. And everybody else have a good weekend as well. Thank you very much for supporting the podcast. There's some exciting stuff coming up in the next two weeks, so don't go anywhere. If you you left and missed what's about to happen, you'd be very, very disappointed. And especially at the start of next week, we've got a really big thing, which we'll probably be talking about on the Tuesday show as well. Um, But yes, have a good weekend, my fine fellow Will, and everybody else who else is listening as well.